calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Previously on Don't Mind Cruxmont. Fleeing through the tunnels, Neil encountered a decayed human form racked with fungal growth. Stumbling and sickened at the sight, the group fled in search of an exit. Desperate to avoid their pursuers, Colin led Neil and Gwen through the den of old Cruxmont, a mass of bodies and mushrooms, flesh and spores, so large that it filled the cavern deep into the rocks below. Once through the horror, Colin helped Neil and Gwen reach the surface, but refused to leave, insisting that it was too late for him and that if they waited too long, it would be too late for Gwen as well. Back above ground, Gwen and Neil snuck back to the car, tired, fearful, and worried. In the middle of the night, Neil awoke, angry over the loss of his brother, and returned to Cruxmont to light to the old Cruxmont caves on fire. But before he could toss down the match, he was attacked. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. We only have a few minutes left, Gwen. I'm here if you want to talk. It's unhealthy to keep it all inside. 
Taylor called me yesterday. She's worried about you. There are people who love and support you, Gwen. Loss is not your identity. They want you to know that this terrible thing does not control or define you. Which terrible thing, Leslie? My slow, unstoppable decline, pulling pieces of myself away bit by bit until I'm the same as the empty human shells I face at work every single day. Or watching the only reliable light in my life snuffed out, taking my last bit of love and hope with it. Or (laughs) knowing that if I walked to my mother's home right now, I would be greeted as a stranger by the woman who worked herself to sleep every night to provide for me. So which terrible thing, Leslie? Which one? We can talk about everything and anything you want. (laughs) But today, I thought you might want to talk about Desmond. How am I supposed to do this? Any way you can. No. How am I supposed to do this? Go on every day feeling like this. What does it feel like? (laughs) Like, um, fear and anger and pain. So, let's look at the pieces. The fear. What are you afraid of? Oh, the fear is old. And it's not, uh... It's not because Desmond is gone. It's the fear of losing everything that... that makes me real. And now I've lost more than myself. I've lost him, so it's all real. It's all happening. I'm becoming a shell of a person. But this is the first time I've felt like one. But it's not a feeling that stems from Desmond's death. (laughs) He's gone. I'm not afraid of him leaving anymore because he's already gone. You feared that he would leave you? It is hard to watch the people you love fade away. I would have understood if he couldn't do it. If he couldn't stay... I would have understood because I've wanted to do the same. It's so hard to watch it happen. To watch the parts of you in someone disappear. (laughs) But I won't get the opportunity to understand or even remember that he could have left or could have stayed. It will all be gone out of my control and I'll be alone you sound angry Gwen I'm furious about what? he's gone he wasn't even driving he was sitting there he always sat there having a coffee reading news not doing anything to anyone and now he's gone how can this happen? accidents are unpredictable and terrible. But I don't think Desmond would want you to be angry at the life you have left. And 
There is no driver to be angry at. He's gone, too. He had a stroke. You know this. There is no one to blame. So, who are you angry with? I am angry with me. Because for a second I thought maybe it was a good thing. The accident. I was glad he would never have to watch me fade away. And I was glad he was gone. He would never have to care for me or see me look at him with confusion like he was some stranger. In that moment, I was relieved he went first. And I hate myself for it. How can I be happy he's gone? How can I think that of him? You're not happy he's gone, Gwen. You're glad he never had to experience a pain you feared from the moment you first had coffee together. You're not happy he's dead. You would never be happy for that. You're just relieved that he was saved from a different kind of pain. And I think Desmond would understand that. Because he understood what you have gone through and what you will go through. You loved him. And he knew that. <laughs> do you, um... Do you think I'll remember him? You remember him today. But will I? In the years ahead? What is important is to celebrate the love and memories you forged for as long as possible... In the end, when everything is over, we all forget. Hmm. Oh. Oh. Neil. Neil, where are you? Is that you? Neil? Just leave! Let go of me! Why did you do to me? Just drive! What did you do? What did you do to Neil? What did you Let me go! It doesn't deserve to exist! Where is Colin? How do I save my brother? I'm Colin! Now stop! Colin? Colin! I knew you weren't down there. I wasn't gonna burn it with you in there. Help me bring more paint thinner over, and we can burn it down before it can hurt anyone else. There's diesel, too. No, but... Neil, you can't burn it. What? Yes, I can. 
We can and we should. That thing is not supposed to exist. You don't even know what it is. It exists and you don't have the right to destroy it. The right? Who else is going to do it then? We don't have a lot of time. They'll hear us. Come on. No. We're going to burn it to ash. No more of this Stockholm Syndrome shit. Give me the matches. You come here with things you don't know, trying to do what you think is right, but it's not. No! You need to stop. They kidnapped you. They locked you down in a cave. Both of us. And they knocked us unconscious. These are not actions of good people, Colin. They're just trying to protect their family. You have no right to kill those people or old Cruxmon or destroy their version of the afterlife. What the hell are you talking about? Those things aren't alive, Colin. Even if they make noise or breathe, they can't be alive. And if they are, what I saw down there was some kind of long-drawn-out torture. And you didn't seem phased by it. How did you get out of the caves? Neil, I just need you to relax. Please, come with me. No. That thing needs to burn. People will be back again tomorrow for the festival. They don't even know what's under them. Neil? And they never need to know. Colin, what's going on? We're getting you out of here. Leave me alone! I didn't escape after I got you out. They let me go. They explained a lot of things to me, Neil. And I'm staying here. What did you do to him? What did you do to Colin? What are you doing to all those people down there? Just get on with it so we can go. We don't have time to argue. The doctor needs to leave. Wait. What did you do with Gwen? Come with us. Neil, please. Let get in. Go. You said you wouldn't hurt him. It won't hurt him. Oh. What, what was it? I'm sorry, Neil. Where? Where are we? Gwen. Hey, Gwen. Wake up. You okay? Oh, this shift's not until two. What? No. Gwen, where are we? One minute, one minute. Just go make coffee. Gwen, wake up. Neil. Where are my keys? Did you take them? What? Look, I have a shift later today. Did you take my keys? Uh, have you seen them recently? Oh. oh, do you know where I parked the car? Gwen? Gwen, look at me for a second. Mm. I don't have your keys. We were in Cruxmont. I don't know where we are now. Are, are you okay? Uh. Oh. Mm. Oh, I, I, I was in the car. Y you don't have the keys? I don't. Where are we? I, I don't know. I don't see anything recognizable out the window, so 
I don't think we're in Cruxmont anymore. The windows are barred and the doors locked, but it looks more like a hotel than a prison. Oh, wait. My car is outside in the car park. Yeah, I, I can see it. One second. No way out through the bathroom. Something happened. I woke up and and you weren't in the car. No, I, I left. I, I wanted to burn down that thing in the caves. Did you? Colin stopped me. Colin? Yeah. What time is it? Uh, well, the sun's up. Could be around noon. We've been asleep for hours. We're outside of the village. They made sure we were outside of Cruxmont. How do you feel? Uh, a little nauseous. And very angry. Yeah, I, I, I think we were drugged some kind of anesthetic. Perhaps ketamine? Is it dangerous? A uh, few hangover-like side effects, but you should be fine. Okay. <sighs> Who is it? Gwen. It's Adelaide Birch. What? It's her. I'm going to open the door so we can talk. Please tell Neil not to hit me with that lamp. I can see him. But there... Fine. I won't hit her with the lamp. Thank you. Come, sit. I'm certainly not going to stand for all this. So you're the reason Gwen found out about Cruxmont? Well, yes and no. I would have faded into death at some point if left to my own devices. But my sister couldn't stand the idea of me not coming home. At first, I was upset with her. But I know she did it out of love and concern. And when I heard that Gwen traced it all back to Cruxmont... With a few big leaps of faith, I might add. I knew she might end up in a spot of trouble. Now I'm here, and I hope we can talk this out properly. You came here to help me? Well, why not? You helped me plenty. So, bit confused here. What's happening right now? How are you supposed to help? Whose side are you on? Ours or Cruxmont's? It's a bit of a story, dear. And more complicated than that. We can get to it later, but for now, a lot of people are waiting and I don't have much time to cover the basics. We need to talk about you, Gwen, and Colin. Where's Colin? Hey. You let them drug me, Colin! I'm sorry, Neil. I'm really sorry. They said they weren't going to hurt you. I would never let them do that to you! Never! I came all the way out here to find you and make sure you were okay. And you let them do this. I'm sorry. If you calm down, you might begin to learn why he has done what he has done, dear. Take a seat, please. All right. What's happening? Where are we? This is a little bed and breakfast on the outskirts of Walworth, run by the Moss family. The iron window bars are decorative, but, well, they'll keep you in until we've had time to talk. 
Oh, we have your keys and your phones, don't worry. Our first priority was to get you both out of Cruxmont as quickly as possible. So, here you are, safe and sound. Safe and sound. I think I would have gone with something like, um, drugged and unlawfully imprisoned. Twice. But you know, when in Rome... The longer you remain in the village, the greater your exposure. Perhaps because it affects you less, Neil, you don't take it as seriously as you should. But time for Colin ran out, and Gwen's time was almost up. Soon, Colin will need to return. Will I be okay? It remains to be seen. It is our hope that your exposure has not yet grown roots, so to say. Exposure to what, exactly? Old Cruxmont. That organism beneath the orchards. I should have burned it. I was so close. Neil, you don't have any right or reason to burn it. You don't even know what it is. Just listen. It was filled with people, Colin. People. Bits and pieces of arms and ribs and organs and shit. You don't understand it. And what do you mean about the afterlife? What? Is that thing hell? Wait, you were going to burn it all before I could get a sample? I expressly told you I needed to get a sample of it. You couldn't go back to the village, and I wasn't going to go anywhere near it. So yeah, fire seemed like a good option. Just pour turpentine down the chute and light it all up. If that didn't work, maybe the catacombs. Stop. It is our afterlife, Neil. As it will be Colin. I won't let that happen. Neil, just shut the fuck up and listen for once. Hear her out, okay? Please. Fine. Adelaide, tell me, what was that thing? <sighs> Originally, we believed that old Cruxmont came from the orchards and the trees, as it fed off the rot of the harvests. At first, we thought what was happening to us was the work of demons or witches. Now we know it's not some demonic thing, or as we thought later on, an angel, but is, in fact, the result of symbiotic fungi. Fungus? It was all over the caves and the corpses. They are not corpses, as they are not dead. Not in the way you understand death. You guys are all sick. I should clarify, they are not in any pain. Although I know old Cruxmont sounds terrible when you first hear it, its communication is slow and unclear. But it is alive in its own way, and is comprised of all of the elders and long-lost of Cruxmont. Gwen, Dr. Kingston, you were so kind and caring to me, and always trying to help. But there are many things that I never told you. Quite on purpose. But one thing I'll say now is that I am 126 years old. And tomorrow happens to be my birthday. Symbiotic fungi does this too? Yes. Hmm. Old Cruxmont is already within me and works with my body as one complex interconnected organism. Our physical ageing continues but at a reduced rate extending our lives far beyond those of our fellows, and as long as we stay connected to old Cruxmont, we never suffer from mental degeneration. 
that ever, even after we begin to show outward signs of the fungal infection, usually at around the age of 140, our minds stay sharp as a pin. When our bodies are given over to the caves and the rot, and eventually to old Cruxmont itself, we are fully aware and fully conscious. Our memories remain, and we join the fold where we share our lives with all those who have come before us. How? So, are you a scientist? You study this thing? No, I'm no scientist. But old Cruxmont is something we have strived to learn a lot about over the years. Science has come a long way in my lifetime. Even what I understood as a child is now radically changed. How old is it? If you got all your memories from forever, how old is it? From what we understand, at some point during the 10th century, in the two centuries known as the medieval warm period, the unique weather allowed this exceptional fungus to bloom and prosper here in Cruxmont, and it's been active ever since. We believe that it wasn't until the 11th century that the first of us joined old Cruxmont. But how? How does it work? How did it restore you, specifically, after that one night? It would have been a temporary reprieve had I not returned. Edith brought me concentrated mycelium from old Cruxmont. Inside all bodies is a complex system of nerves, but ours are intertwined with mycelial threads... Think of it as an almost invisible root system, wrapped around the finest nerves and neurons in our bodies. So, in a way, our our neurons are not our own, but a dual system. And because of such, we are not susceptible to the same neural degeneration. When I took the concentrated mycelium, it sent a new wave of information to the shriveled false fungal neurons... The mycelium restore our clarity quickly, we believe, in the hope that they would soon return home by way of their host. And so, I have. It's an addiction. You're addicted to some creepy-ass magic mushrooms. No, it's a symbiotic relationship. Really? What do you get out of it, then? Did you not hear the part about extended life? About the mental clarity? About rotting forever in a pile of corpses? About being a host to a fungal parasite? And Millie Birch. What happened to her? Oh. Millie was my granddaughter. Well, my great-great-great-granddaughter. But I loved her all the same. I had my first child at 17. It was a different time back then. It was normal to have children young. I loved being a mother. Millie represents a sad but all-too-common occurrence for the families of Cruxmont... I know you've been asking about the Cruxmont survey. Well, it's simple. Every year, when our teenagers reach about 16 years of age, or sometimes younger, they're taken around Cruxmont on a survey of the village's history and activities. It is also the day they learn about old Cruxmont and the fate they and their loved ones share. I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. It will not be long before I join old Croxmont myself. A decade, perhaps, a bit more. I've got wonderful memories of her to hold on to until then. So she killed herself to be free of it? She tried. You see, 
The children of Cruxmund already possessed the fungus in their unique gut microbiome at the time of birth. It migrates into the neural pathways at a young age. It's mostly inactive before then, as far as we can tell. Its primary effects are not noticeable until after puberty and during the ageing process of adulthood. I can't go into much further detail, that's all I know. Oh. Millie tried to escape joining old Cruxmont, but she already had gone through puberty. And now, even drowned, the fungus and her memories live on, alone, until she joins our family and more. She has already been given over to old Cruxmont, though earlier than we would have liked. Adelaide, well, this is astonishing. So, even beyond the death of the body... The mind survives. How do you know? How do you know any of this is real? You could just be feeding that thing your family. Because of people like Colin. And Gwen. What do you mean? Hmm? It's not their fault, Neil. I didn't know any of this when I stayed on the Cruxmont land that night. They were just protecting their families. By locking you underground. Do you not see how insane that is? It is. By any normal circumstances. But as far as Roger has explained... Colin was out in the orchard when an elder from beneath the hills came above ground. They, they come above ground? At night, yes. Oh. To enjoy the orchards and the skies. When elders start to show outward signs of infection, they are not instantly given over to old Cruxmont. They live comfortable lives in small apartments in the tunnels under the village. They still meet with family... And enjoying hobbies and entertainment until they choose to enter Old Cruxmont. When someone first chooses to go under the earth, we hold them a funeral. And and give them a gravestone with no dates on it. Yes. For no one ever really dies in Cruxmont. But what's happening to you? I can already feel Old Cruxmont. Colin saw one of our affected elders up on the hill so we had to find a way to keep him quiet about the situation. The fungal spores in Cruxmont can infect adults rather quickly, only taking about three weeks or so to integrate them with the new host and become a vital necessity. Sadly, from what Roger and Mary have told me, they didn't know about your brother's previous addiction and mental disorder when he was held in the caves, and they found it was too late. If they had known about the addiction, would they have taken him? Neil, they were worried I'd talk about what I saw, which I probably would have. And really, I'm fine now. But due to the damage caused by my addiction, the fungus had a much easier time finding a way in and grabbing hold. Because it's a parasite. Neil, Colin, please continue. Those dreams I told you about really are memories. The people of Cruxmont had such healthy nerves and stuff. Sorry, I don't really understand science, but they never developed the damage I had. So when I showed up and got the fungus in my brain, it flourished more than usual. I can see the memories from all those people who are part of old Cruxmont. It's real, Neil. It's a collective library of lives and thoughts and love going back over a thousand years. So, my disease? Will work like mine. Really fast. And I know it sounds weird, but the fungus all across the orchard told old Cruxmont, and then old Cruxmont told me that you were easily susceptible to exposure. But this makes Colin incredibly special to us. He can communicate with old Cruxmont in a way that none of us can. You. Wait, Neil. He's not here to fight. Calm down, lad. 
As for your brother's circumstance, we would never choose to inflict our lifestyle on anyone. We understand it can be frightening and confusing. But when we knew it was already too late for Colin, we had to make a choice. It was astonishing to us how clearly he was already receiving memories from old Croxmont. The last time we had the ability to communicate like that with our elders was back in the 1920s, and a lot has changed since then. So, everything else is just myths? The foxes? Oh. The young ones don't know about old Cruxmont. And when our elders living beneath the hills want to wander the orchards at night, well, we don't want to scare the children, do we? The stories of the great foxes keep our kids out of the orchards at night. <laughs> well, not all of them. A fungus can be isolated, farmed, studied. We could use this to change the world. I feel kind of dizzy. It's been a very long day, and an even longer week for you, Colin. You okay? Colin needs to return to Cruxmont. He can't be away for long. The new connections the fungus have built will slowly shrivel, and what's left of his neural pathways will not be able to compensate. So, he really is trapped. Wait, what? Not able to compensate? You mean he'll die? In the worst case, yes. But before that, it would be an intense neural degeneration. Then most likely a coma. Will he ever get to leave Cruxmont? Even for short periods of time? A week at a time, or more? Colin said he got a memory from old Cruxmont of walking by the Notre Dame in Paris. And we know that others, like yourself, can leave a few months at a time before the adverse effects are too strong. What about him? Will he ever be able to do that? Until he's been here longer, we won't know. You'll never get to come home. Aside from you, I don't think I have anything back there for me. What happens to us now? You can't just stay in the UK. You'll have to go back to the US at some point. They're ready for you. We set up a space near Archadet, outside of town. Here are your bags, so you can get showered and changed. They still smell like the debris pit, and it can't be pleasant to walk around like that. And I'll see you afterwards. Wait, hold up. We're not going anywhere again. And certainly not into Cruxmont. At least tell us what we're walking into. The village leaders wish to speak with you, so please get ready. The day has already begun, and with a little luck you'll have more answers soon enough. Don't Mind Cruxmont. Written and created by K.A. Stats. Produced and directed with sound design by Travis Fengroff. Edited with sound design, mixing, and mastering by Dane Leonardson. Dialogue editing by Austin Beach. And with script and casting consulting by Gemma Amor. Starring Adjua Endo, Daniel Demerin, Preston Young, Sinclair Bell, David Alt, Sally Walker-Taylor, and Erica Sanderson. With executive producers Dennis Greenhill, Michael Villegas, Carol Vengroff, and A.J. Punkin with music by Stephen Malin. This episode would not be possible without the support of our listeners on Patreon, so please consider supporting us there at patreon.com slash foolandscholar, or by sharing this show with a friend. This episode is copyrighted 2022 by Fool and Scholar Productions. Thank you for listening.
Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.